Hello and welcome back to week eight, and this is part two, where I'm going to focus on uh, particularly employability skills and affiliated placement services that may be helpful with post-COVID-19 work. Um, and just to keep in mind that although this is post-COVID-19 focused, this is true regardless of the situation. And many countries were actually experiencing a sort of, uh, not a recession per se, but a, a downturn in work in certain industries prior to COVID-19. Australia particularly had a really difficult period prior to covid because of bushfires that had been operating for months before. And so climate change has been a really integral factor of COVID-19 because of the increase, increases in viruses that are a result of climate change. But Australia had previously also been suffering from increased bushfires. And Australia is not the only country that is doing that. So just keep in mind that the recommendations that I'm making or the stats that are COVID-19 specific don't necessarily mean that you can't look at these if you're sort of not impacted by COVID-19 wherever you are. I would find that hard to believe, but uh, later on, perhaps five years from now, we won't be blaming COVID-19, hopefully. So, uh, just to finish off with what I was, or to recap what I was talking about in part one, is uh, looking at various different places we can explore for careers, um, the computer-assisted career guidance systems, um, meeting our clients definitely where they are, so if they need more help and more assistance, we're not going to be just setting them up on a computer we are going to be providing more case management and just some of the technological competencies and considerations that you would need to have if you are setting up your own career center. But in addition, just for the people that are coming into your center, what they might expect to see there. So we shall now start on uh, just looking at employability skills and with reference to careers and curriculum, sometimes we need to start at the very beginning. Uh, it's a very good place to start for many people. And if we've had some career guidance in our high schools, we're very blessed. But for many of us, it's actually starting like as if we're back at scratch and I just want to remind you of the fact that the programs that I've mentioned are applicable not just in high school. So we can tailor, modify, or use specific programs designed uh, for college and adult versions of career discovery, career examination, career exploration. One of the ones that actually covers the gamut is the Discover program, which has modules one through seven that were sort of discussed in last last week's podcast and that's a high school version but there's two additional modules for college and adult versions and they are planning a career 
and it's designed for adults in transition or others beyond the college age group. It uses Super's Life Career Rainbow as the basis for exploring the various roles in each person's life. And users can sort of then apply that module to plan for changes in their futures. And I think that this is a really great place to start with our current displaced workers, as well as our special needs populations and our specific diverse populations. The key here is how to foster the ability in people to manage change, to manage transitions. And making transitions is the second of, or the last module in this uh, Discover program, which helps users kind of look at the fact that career transitions really are a part and parcel of life today. And the pressures and tensions that we have in transitions are really quite common, but people don't really even understand that or have not been made aware of that. And so this is helpful in helping them and you as you learn how to deal with the transition factors and control them to in as much as is possible. And control is often an elusive dream. So another uh, place to start with a very competent client is Siggy Plus. And if you have uh, Brown's textbook, that's referred to specifically on pages 213 to 214. And it's a really comprehensive, up-to-date career planning software program that can really help you look at your career options based on your interests, values, and education. And so what it does is it searches through, so it matches and then it gives you a printout of the occupational information that matches you. And this is really great because it also, for those who are currently impacted by COVID-19, and really this is a time to really rethink, reflect and review. And I want to start with that positive, you know, being grateful because honestly, COVID has helped some people really see that there was a need for change and so now they're engaging in it. Um, it's very unfortunate that that's not the majority of cases and people do not want to change. But I think it's really good to think about what your options are always and to always be looking forward and preparing for the possibility of um, being retrenched in today's world. That is today's world. And Siggy Plus, it's S-I-G-I Plus, it also links you with colleges and graduate schools uh, to match your occupations with education. So even if the colleges and graduate schools aren't in your country, you can still look and see what's there because then you can look in your country if you can't make it out or you can apply. There's a lot of scholarships. So again, if you know me, you know anything about me, I'm very much about uh, breaking chains of poverty, oppression and cycles where people are stuck. And for me, that means education. Education is a liberating force. And if we can link them up with scholarships or programs to get people into free or least cost, um, least sacrifice situations, we can move them into a possibly better situation. And as I keep saying, whilst this is pretty grim right now, 
five years from now this situation may change. So I'll keep on the grim note a little bit. Um, I'm going to discuss sort of uh, interests and how we match our enterprising or our realistic, our technical kind of person with careers. And that's where it's really important to just spend some time with your clients or yourself if you're doing this yourself and just listening to my podcast and just take advantage of all these free and online resources to, to see where you fit and to match yourself. So if you're, you know, very administrative, like love your businesses, your marketing, your sales, you know, let's have a look and see what's out there. Um, are you going to have to upskill? Did you always want to do a degree and you didn't? Well, now might be the time to consider that. If you have some resources or if you can get a scholarship or if there's some way you can do this part-time, um, now might be the time to really consider that. So if you're looking at your sort of abilities, your interests and uh, your artistic or your social or your enterprising, let's try and find out a way to match those things. And are we data driven? Are we people driven? Are we ideas driven or are we things driven? What is it that we really love? And let's connect with that again, because too often we let those things go. So now is a time to sort of really reflect, review and connect. And in our role as a career counsellor, that is what we want to help our clients achieve, some of that connection and reflection so that they can move into a, a place of hope, if not even a new job and maybe a creative new job that they'd never thought of, that could fulfill everything that they had hoped for. At the very least, we can sort of get them to think outside the box, even if it's not for now, okay? And so I've got a wheel there that sort of shows administration and sales, business operations, technical, science and tech, arts, social services, and it now's where the realistic um, matching of the labor market is really important and it's going to be a bit grim what I'm going to talk about right now and I'm specifically looking at Australian data because that's what I have but in the Australian data we've got some really grim statistics around arts and um, culture and that's my heart because I write as well so uh, it's and read a lot so it's really interesting to see the creative and performing arts suffering at the minute, but I think that this, again, hopefully will be sort of just a, a glitch and a blip in the lifespan of humanity. So what I wanted to talk about was if we overlay sort of the labour market, overlooking sort of whether you're a data-based, data-driven, ideas-driven, people-driven or things-driven, we can look at... Uh, what's really doing well right now and what we're actually looking at is there's actually been a 21 percent boost in employment in the communications field the healthcare field and the public administration because public administration is required for all the job seeking programs and all of the various different things that are being employed by the government so we we've actually got an increase of 21 percent 
um, opportunity in that field. There's uh, a sort of a neutral, I'm sort of trying to speak optimistically, in education, uh, particularly primary and secondary, we're, we're doing quite well, of course, because that's a continued government sort of public administration thing. But at the higher levels in tertiary, there are some real stressors, especially in Australia, because they've blocked off international travel. So there are no international students except those that are there. And they're actually struggling because they don't have jobs in the to help them survive during this time because a lot of them work in the retail sector to support themselves as international students. Get back to that later. So we're looking at sort of a... Um, a neutral loss, like in terms of the fact that there's about minus 20% a negative kind of kickback in the COVID-19 statistics, and that includes education, ag agriculture and mining, um, utilities, transport, warehousing, that kind of area. It's been impacted, but it hasn't been decimated. So it's it's there and there's still some opportunities there and of course agriculture is going to be um, one of the most important things to keep food on the table for all people wherever you are in the world and with climate change again we've got some struggles there. Where we are looking at some real really concerning statistics would be in that sort of more technical um, and business operations and administrations area. We're starting to look at construction, manufacturing, professional services. That's taken a bit of a 32% hit. And it, it's a difficult statistic to discuss because it's not just full-time labor, it's part-time labor, it's, you know, it's seasonal kind of work, it's, working from home and so the real statistics is the under underemployment so we have some professional services that are now working in places that just really do not capitalize on their uh, abilities and i've talked about underemployment before now where we take the big hit and this is what i was talking about with these international students um so when you come to a country, you often just pick up work that's easy and after classes, and that's often in retail, so food, and it may be arts and culture, and arts and culture have been shut down pretty much. So there has been a huge impact on food, uh, services, accommodation, arts and culture, the retail industry. Online is booming. Um, brick and mortar stores are not. And of course, wholesale, rental and real estate um, have really taken a hit and we're talking basically 27% setback, which is huge and I won't go into the numbers. But what I wanted to do is kind of place it over the wheel so that we can kind of look at where we would want to be looking for jobs. And they're everywhere if we're creative, but it's looking like most of them are sort of fitting in the social service, so, you know, community services, education, healthcare, um, and public administration, which somewhat fits in the business operations and administration and sales. And so that's where we'd be looking mostly. 
but we do need people in transportation. So if we've got somebody who loves driving trucks or getting things from A to B, uh, there's possibilities there as well. So that's what I mean by being up aware and up to date of what the labour statistics are so that you can match what you're looking for for your client once you've found out what they're sitting on in their EASIC, their um, Ferris and whatever test you are doing to match abilities, values, interests and skills. And then the next thing that you want to look at with your employability skills is really important. And this is these employability skills. I'm going to talk about the ones that are really important now, but these are sort of more general looking at the skills map. So you've got your communication skills, your team working skills, organizing and planning skills, problem solving skills, and professionalism. And I talk a lot about professionalism because to me that is the embodiment of my values of taking care of people and the stories that I hear are their stories, their confidential stories. So when I hear them, they stay with me. They don't go anywhere except between me and the client. And sometimes I'll use anonymous um, examples of clients or I'll use myself uh, in preference and say, you know, this is what could happen or this is what has happened in the example of Leanne. Um, but it may be with direct reference to an example of a situation that a client has faced. Next in that circle, you're looking at the ability to work on your own, your own initiative, writing, speaking, cooperating, leading, decision-making, time management, investigating, researching, analyzing, data handling, creativity, and attention to quality. Now, we're all somewhere on all of these, but some of us have more in one than the other. And of course, if it was just to look at me, I sort of do very, very well on most of these. Um, I It's not my favorite thing to do, which is data handling. This is why I'm sort of against statistical um, testing and that's also goes back to a cultural um, oppression, white male patriarchy who's designing the test without looking at all the people that may be taking the test um, and analyzing it. But I have that lens. So I do love investigating and researching. I, I am generally very good at time management, except if I go down a rabbit hole. Decision-making, it is a very strong thing with me. Um, but when you have somebody who is in your office and they are compromised on many levels, so personally, financially, job-wise, uncertainty, already maybe have pre-existing conditions of mental health or disability or, you know, um, stigmatized and oppressed, so of a different race or LGBTQIA or whatever it might be that designates them as other, then we have to sort of look at where we need to build some skills. And then that requires thinking about what are the new skills that are required how do we um, build on strengths? What are their basic skills? You know, uh, how, how do they accept criticism? Uh, how do they present themselves? 
what are they like in their planning, uh, how do they respond, what are their IT skills, what are their numeracy and literacy skills, all of these things are just really important and we need to get a snapshot of that in some way, shape or form so that we can move forward and help the client find the best match for them. So the skills that I mentioned first, employers want you to have regardless of the industry you're working in. And it depends on the level of, of the job as to how much you'll need, but you will need all these skills. So one is communication, two is teamwork, three is problem solving, four is initiative and enterprise, five is planning and organizing, six is self-management, Seven is learning, like the ability to learn and that lifelong learning thing. And eight is being able to manage technology as required in the position. So if I'm, you know, needing to use the computer a lot, I need to be able to use a computer. <laughs> Maybe I need to learn how to use Excel. Right now I'm trying to learn how to overlay some images and diagrams and create them so that they match what I want, which is a bit difficult because it's a bit creative and I am not a graphic designer, but I would like to learn that skill. So that's sort of a lifelong learning thing for me. But it's also about my communication because then if I have this good graph, because I'm a visual learner, I can show things. It's a problem solving thing. It's initiative and enterprise. I don't have to do this, but I choose to do it and planning and organizing. So all of these things fit into just even one skill, such as finding out how to overlay the map of where you are to the map of skills and industries sort of thing. And hopefully that makes sense. There's a huge list of employability skills. And what we want to look at is matching those personal attributes, so those traits that we have. So for me, things like loyalty, commitment, honesty, integrity, enthusiasm, reliability, common sense, and a sense of humor are really, really key for me to manage my life because then I sort of bring in the positive self-esteem, the attitude to work and home life, so how do I balance that, the ability to deal with pressure, which is better than, sometimes better than others, depending upon what's going on in my personal life, and my motivation and adaptability. Now, some of us are really high on the spectrum in these, and low on others, and what we want to look at is what are those strengths, so that we can then build on the strengths and sort of add to the limitations. And so let's look at just kind of employability skills under communication. First of all, can you listen and can you understand? Now, if you are deaf, how does that work? If you are unable to speak, like you have a speech impediment or you stutter, how can you express? when you're speaking clearly and directly and expressing your ideas. And this is not here, but it's underlying all of these, which is emotional intelligence. Do you have an understanding of your feelings 
and judgment and how they're impacted. Uh, these are very important things. And so as a career counselor, we want to sort of get a bit of a gauge of that before we start telling somebody that they should be in an, in an industry where they really do have to speak a lot, such as myself, versus they could sit in front of a computer and do more of that kind of thing. Or if they're blind, you know, what else can we do? If they're deaf, what else can we do? If they have mobility issues, what else can we do? Okay. Teamwork. Now, teamwork such as not having somebody doing drilling. <laughs> You're recording podcasts, but it is what it is, right? There's your adaptability. So teamwork. Some people do better on their own. Some people do better in groups. Some people do better depending on the day in either or. Um, how do you resolve conflicts? Like what are your leadership capacities? These are all teamwork things. And you need to identify the strengths. Uh, with all of these, you need to identify the strengths. So do they have problem solving capacity? What are they like in terms of initiative and enterprise? Planning and organizing, self-management. And this is where you can have a good frank conversation sometimes with your clients. But some people aren't very self-aware and young people aren't often very self-aware and people with mental health difficulties or depression or anxiety really don't have a true assessment of their own capacity. So these are things that you need to be aware of when you are working with your clients. And these are the really important employability skills. Self-awareness, setting and achieving goals recognizing where change is needed, making change, transferring ideas and concepts, being able to update skills and relate technology to work and using IT to organize data. And how do we share and, and share our information and persuade others, right? So all these are very important skills and attributes that really work well in a setting is something that people are looking for. Now, I have one sort of curious question that I cannot answer in this, and that is in this new post-COVID world where a lot of things are online, what else is going to be required and what might be notched back a little? So whilst we're looking at our verbal, written and communication listening skills, and we know that they're going to continue to be very, very important. How does loyalty as an attribute work in a, a situation where you are being terminated from a job that you've been loyal to for 20, 30, 40 years? Um, is that going to be necessary in the next job or is it just getting a job? So I'm just sort of looking at these things and asking you when you're working with your clients to consider teamwork, communication skills, positive attitude, motivation, self-awareness, adaptability, uh, interpersonal skills, literacy, numeracy. These are all things that generally are always important. Leadership may not be important in this world. It, more, it might be more about you know, problem solving and decision making and networking and negotiating and influencing. So you may not be able to lead. You may not be a manager anymore. Doesn't mean that you, those skills that you have 
aren't important and how can they work like maybe it's about positive self-esteem and reintroducing that and saying you know that managerial skill that you had even though you're no longer a manager this is a really important skill where can we put it and that builds positive self-esteem and ability to stress to tolerate stress so just looking at your skills and your attributes matching them with the employability skills and attributes that are sort of highlighted as things that employers want no matter what industry you're working in and some are again are more important than others like when you're working on a manufacturing line some of these do fade into insignificance but that doesn't mean to get the job you don't need them so once you've sort of identified what you or your clients employability skills are what the strengths are then you want to start looking at the job search and you have already done the inventory of the self and skills now you're investigating the job market and that's where I was looking at you know uh, the 21 percent of a boost in communication healthcare and public administration is there something that that's what is that where we're going to start because that's going to be the best place if because there's a growth there uh, Amazon is hiring like many of these online sales places are hiring are we going to start our own business in free counseling um, so developing the employability skills around the job hunt and some people hate this I selling myself is not a big thing for me I don't like it but it this is really important you've got to sell yourself um, and selling myself like online versus in an interview is a very different skill and preparing for a typical interview writing that resume having those abilities to self-assess finding out what you can live on so that's matching those lifestyle values with what's actually realistic right now are we going to get those same paying jobs I posit no but some places may be better you may get a better paying job than what you have because you've upskilled and got new training and so you know the sky's the limit budgeting until a job is found so if you're living on your savings you want to have sort of an end date before you have to have a job so if you when I was talking last week I was saying you know is this crisis counseling is the person coming in and you're just finding them a job because they actually have no savings and they need food on the table and a roof over their head and clothes on their back and for their family as well so get them in a job or get them resourced with emergency shelter emergency food that kind of stuff so that's your first piece but the second piece is um, maybe you've got them in an interim emergency job maybe they're just uh, stocking shelves in a grocery store maybe they're uh, cleaning maybe I don't it doesn't matter get them a job once they've got the job and they've got food on the table roof over their head clothes on the back looked after their kids and partner how long can we survive on that and how do we budget those minimal income demand with the demands of what's required and budgeting is a is not an easy thing to do and it is a real skill so you might be getting somebody who's very good in 
to your center to teach budgeting skills. This is a life skill. And often when I was talking about ex-offenders coming out of jail, they don't need to budget in jail. Their food's on the table, their roof's over their head. They've got other skills in jail. It's called survival skills. But an ex-military, it's very similar. Often, as I said, their housing is provided. They go to the mess hall for their dinner. Um, they don't really need to consider about some of these budgeting things that are going to be real world skills. So these are things that need to be taught regardless of COVID-19. These are things that people really need to learn. And sometimes legal and illegal questions may be posed by the interviewer. So you also want to upskill and make them aware of their rights. And even if they're asked an illegal question and they need the job, what's a way to answer that that's not going to immediately lose them that job? So being aware that things happen in the real world that are not right and again change the system and let's start with the jobs for all and equal access to the economy understanding and empowering people through what a career decision making process is what their rights are how to budget how to locate a job, how to sell themselves and how to prepare. These are all extremely empowering for any individual, but especially for our specific and diverse populations that have often suffered at the hand of oppression, prejudice, discrimination, or just not even being aware that they have the right that all humans have. And so how do we help that as well? We want to identify skills that they already have so that we can transfer them. They're called transferable skills over to a new job. And maybe you have, as I said, maybe you're a manager and maybe you have years and years and years of experience. Maybe you're brilliant and we're like a leader in your field. But maybe you're in a situation where you can't move um, industry shut down, so there's no retail opportunities, there's no accommodation, cultural opportunities. How can we use those skills and what about some entry-level jobs in a field that you're interested in to at least tide you over? So these are some of the considerations that we're looking at when executing the job search. And so once we've started that, we now want to look at job placement services and there are going to be, and I, I think this is a, a sort of a growth industry and it's going to be a unique niche industry in post-COVID world, but it may even be that you get out on the beat on the street and see where people are advertising for jobs. So if I walk around my local little area and around the streets, I see some people say, like with signs saying we are hiring in their restaurants and they, you know what, maybe it's only a few hours, maybe it's not much money, but guess what, it's money. And so job placement services, that's what they should be doing. They're public employment services, so you might have the, in Australia we have what's called Centrelink, um, and my sister, <laughs> it's, Mission Australia, but she calls it Mission Impossible. 
<laughs> just love it because it's true. Um, and private employment agencies, secondary and post-secondary school placement services, online job placement services, uh, outplacement services, being creative, finding out where you can get job placement people to get people into jobs. That's what a job placement service is. It's getting people into jobs. And at this time, you're not going to be picky. You just want them to be legal and ethical. So no fees, get my client into a job. And we want a legal and ethical job where discrimination and oppression and all of their usual things that I um, continue to say should not be happening are hopefully not happening. And so that's sort of the job placement service place. Public employment services offer a lot of services depending upon where you are, what country you're in. Um, I, there's various experiences with them and it's, it's a sad indictment of our system that often keeps people unemployed. But ideally, they offer placement, counselling, service to veterans, service to applicants with disabilities. They have labour market information. So at the very least, you should be able to get up-to-date labour market information from them. And they also usually have really good linkages with community agencies. So even if you're not getting your bang for your buck from your public employment services, you can get some amazing information out of them and maybe some networking opportunities. Private employment agencies are usually fee charging and it's a regular profit seeking business. They serve the general public, I think will be a growth industry. But I think it's going to be difficult because there'll be people who just don't have money to pay. So it might be that the employer pays when you get somebody into the job or it may be uh, a structured percentage of fee or something. I don't know how they're going to work it. But usually a private employment agency you know, specialises and they limit their clientele to a certain occupational group. And there's reasons for this. If you want to have a private employment agency employ people into an industry they need to know the industry and because we've talked about like not that occupational handbook with 900 odd just occupations that's not even the industries we need to have specialized knowledge of where the job opportunities are how to get them in maybe they owe you know like maybe there's a bit of a favor going on if you employ him for a month see how he goes if he's going well, continue. If not, well, we'll put somebody else in. And just having these quid pro quo, um, good relationships, that's that networking and building and maintaining relationships with your network and support. And they work primarily with job seekers, but they work to serve the employer. So often how it is is the private employment agency is paid by the employer. The employee should not be paying. And that's just a legal and ethical point that I want you to note. They now, right now, I think this might change. They list regular full-time positions but only handle short-term temporary jobs. I think this is going to change as a result of COVID, but I, I'm not sure how that's going to look. I think right now it'll be just listing jobs 
regardless of the duration, um, temporary nature or casual nature. So outplacement services also provide assistance to workers whose jobs have been terminated. Um, and this is completely the place to be. This is the, this is the piece of the pie. So it's your displaced workers. And maybe your workers have been terminated for technological advances, business mergers, relocation of businesses outside of country, the need to increase competitiveness by reducing costs or employee dismissal for poor performance, or today, COVID-19 closure and economic shutdown and recession and depression. So this is a service that offers basically from the day you're terminated. So some people might have been terminated from their position and their company may have already put this in place. And hopefully they have, but not many, I think. So they'll work on developing your resume, interviewing skills, how to find a job location that works for you, um, what are some of the supportive counselling opportunities available, and any other resources that helps the employee who's been terminated through this difficult time. And I happen to know that there are some companies that have failed epically in this. They haven't done any of these and in fact have got hundreds of people into a room and told them they've lost their jobs. And the supportive counseling's not there, the, any of these things that should just have been in place are not there. So I, my heart goes out to these people and if we can help these people, that's what we need to do. So an outplacement service may do that. They may also um, look at sort of how to diffuse the feelings of frustration, depression and anger. This is a space that really needs a lot of work right now. And part of the reason that I'm developing a, a program to be delivered to whomever would like to have it to start with, it'll be minimal cost. But it's a comprehensive outplacement sort of thing for people who have been terminated, specifically dealing with grief and loss over the job and how to maybe move forward in looking at the next job and establishing in a way a hope to proceed with a job search and facilitate that rather than kind of get, getting lost in the morass of the depression feelings that often accompany this. And to start with, it's more about dealing with the frustrations, depression, anger, sadness, grief, loss, all of the different spectrum of emotions um, that employees who are terminated suddenly feel but it's also to sort of inject a little bit of like, okay, so this has happened. Yep, we know this. Let's develop a job search plan and what are the skills you need to implement it. Followed up by employees' efforts to help them as they search for a job. And there's a number of different articles. Uh, Bremer and Humberger emphasized on assisting workers to engage in self-assessment strategies. Now that's um, quite an old article, 
but there are many that I have posted around finding ways to assess yourself so that you can establish new career goals. And that is the be all and end all of career counselling in post-COVID-19 times is to help our clients see that really, yes, it's difficult. It's grim for many people. There are those lucky few of us, uh, 21%, that are actually overwhelmed with job opportunities because of the field that we're in. And there's, as I said, the restaurant that's just has filled a niche and is booming as a result of their ability to be flexible and adapt to the situation of opening just as COVID-19 happened. So just to review everything, we need to sort of think about how we can meet our client where they are, how we can resource them, how we can turn them out of or change their perceptions of being stuck in a predictable, safe sort of pattern of career and open their eyes to the opportunities that may be out there, particularly education. And I continue to say that I think education is the key to freedom from many things. But that education may be very different today than it was even three months ago. And what is the education that this client sitting in the chair in front of us need? What do you need listening to this podcast? What is it that we can sort of get you to see to help you move forward and initiate some self-assessment, some looking at your interests, your attitudes, your values, match them with possible career openings and establish some career goals. And if you have done that, you have helped one person, you have helped yourself and you have had an amazing day because that is the goal, to make each day count and each moment. This is Dr. Leanne signing out, week eight, part two of career counseling with services and centers outside of school and employability skills in the post-COVID world. I hope you've enjoyed and may hope light your path as we move into the next stage. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to week eight. And this is part two, where I'm going to focus on uh, particularly employability skills and affiliated placement services that may be helpful with post-COVID-19 work. Um, and just to keep in mind that although this is post-COVID-19 focused, this is true regardless of the situation. And many countries were actually experiencing a sort of, uh, not a recession per se, but a, a downturn in work in certain industries prior to COVID-19. Australia particularly had a really difficult period prior to COVID because of bushfires that had been operating for months before. And so climate change has been a really 
integral factor of COVID-19 because of the increase, increases in viruses that are a result of climate change. But Australia had previously also been suffering from increased bushfires and Australia is not the only country that is doing that. So just keep in mind that the recommendations that I'm making or the stats that are COVID-19 specific don't necessarily mean that you can't <laughs> look at these if you're sort of not impacted by COVID-19 wherever you are. I would find that hard to believe. But uh, later on, perhaps five years from now, we won't be blaming COVID-19, hopefully. So uh, just to finish off with what I was, or to recap what I was talking about in part one, is uh, looking at various different places we can explore for careers, um, the computer-assisted career guidance systems, um, meeting our clients definitely where they are. So if they need more help and more assistance, we're not going to be just setting them up on a computer. We are going to be providing more case management and just some of the technological competencies and considerations that you would need to have if you are setting up your own career center. But in addition, just for the people that are coming into your center, what they might expect to see there. So. We shall now start on uh, just looking at employability skills and with reference to careers and curriculum, sometimes we need to start at the very beginning. Uh, it's a very good place to start for many people and if we've had some career guidance in our high schools, we're very blessed. But for many of us, it's actually starting like as if we're back at scratch. And I just want to remind you of the fact that the programs that I've mentioned are applicable not just in high school. So we can tailor, modify, or use specific programs designed uh, for college and adult versions of career discovery, career examination, career exploration. One of the ones that actually covers the gamut is the Discover program, which has modules one through seven that were sort of discussed in last, last week's podcast. And that's a high school version, but there's two additional modules for college and adult versions, and they are planning a career, and it's designed for adults in transition or others beyond the college age group. It uses Super's Life Career Rainbow as the basis for exploring the various roles in each person's life. And users can sort of then apply that module to plan for changes in their futures. And I think that this is a really great place to start with our current displaced workers, as well as our special needs populations and our specific diverse populations. The key here is how to foster the ability in people to manage change, to manage transitions. And making transitions is the second of, or the last module in this uh, Discover program, which helps users kind of look at the fact that career transitions really are a part and parcel of life today. 
And the pressures and tensions that we have in transitions are really quite common, but people don't really even understand that or have not been made aware of that. And so this is helpful in helping them and you as you learn how to deal with the transition factors and control them to in as much as is possible. And control is often an elusive dream. So another uh, place to start with a very competent client is Siggy Plus. And if you have uh, Brown's textbook, that's referred to specifically on pages 213 to 214. And it's a really comprehensive, up-to-date career planning software program that can really help you look at your career options based on your interests, values, and education. And so what it does is it searches through, so it matches and then it gives you a printout of the occupational information that matches you. And this is really great because it also, for those who are currently impacted by COVID-19, and really this is a time to really rethink, reflect and review. And I want to start with that positive, you know, being grateful because honestly, COVID has helped some people really see that there was a need for change and so now they're engaging in it. Um, it's very unfortunate that that's not the majority of cases and people do not want to change. But I think it's really good to think about what your options are always and to always be looking forward and preparing for the possibility of um, being retrenched in today's world. That is today's world. And Siggy Plus, it's S-I-G-I Plus, it also links you with colleges and graduate schools uh, to match your occupations with education. So even if the colleges and graduate schools aren't in your country, you can still look and see what's there because then you can look in your country if you can't make it out or you can apply. There's a lot of scholarships. So again, if you know me, you know anything about me, I'm very much about uh, breaking chains of poverty, oppression and cycles where people are stuck. And for me, that means education. Education is a liberating force. And if we can link them up with scholarships or programs to get people into free or least cost, um, least sacrifice situations, we can move them into a possibly better situation. And as I keep saying, whilst this is pretty grim right now, five years from now, this situation may change. So I'll keep on the grim note a little bit. Um, I'm going to discuss sort of uh, interests and how we match our enterprising or our realistic, our technical kind of person with careers and that's where it's really important to just spend some time with your clients or yourself if you're doing this yourself and just listening to my podcast and just take advantage of all these free and online resources to to see where you fit and to match yourself so if you're you know very administrative like love your businesses your marketing your sales you know, let's have a look and see what's out there. Um, are you going to have to upskill? Did you always want to do a degree and you didn't? 
well, now might be the time to consider that. If you have some resources or if you can get a scholarship or if there's some way you can do this part-time, um, now might be the time to really consider that. So if you're looking at your sort of abilities, your interests and uh, your artistic or your social or your enterprising, let's try and find out a way to match those things. And are we data driven? Are we people driven? Are we ideas driven or are we things driven? What is it that we really love? And let's connect with that again, because too often we let those things go. So now is a time to sort of really reflect, review and connect. And in our role as a career counsellor, that is what we want to help our clients achieve, some of that connection and reflection so that they can move into a, a place of hope, if not even a new job and maybe a creative new job that they'd never thought of that could fulfill everything that they had hoped for. At the very least, we can sort of get them to think outside the box, even if it's not for now, okay? And so I've got a wheel there that sort of shows administration and sales, business operations, technical, science and tech, arts, social services. And it now's where the realistic um, matching of the labor market is really important and it, it's going to be a bit grim what I'm going to talk about right now and I'm specifically looking at Australian data because that's what I have but in the Australian data we've got some really grim statistics around arts and um, culture and that's my heart because I write as well so uh, it's and read a lot so it's really interesting to see the creative and performing arts suffering at the minute, but I think that this, again, hopefully will be sort of just a, a glitch and a blip in the lifespan of humanity. So what I wanted to talk about was if we overlay sort of the labour market, overlooking sort of whether you're a data-based, data-driven, ideas-driven, people-driven or things-driven, we can look at... Uh, what's really doing well right now and what we're actually looking at is there's actually been a 21% boost in employment in the communications field, the healthcare field and the public administration because public administration is required for all the job seeking programs and all of the various different things that are being employed by the government. So we've, we've actually got an increase of 21% um, opportunity in that field. There's uh, a sort of a neutral, I'm sort of trying to speak optimistically, in education, uh, particularly primary and secondary, we're, we're doing quite well, of course, because that's a continued government sort of public administration thing. But at the higher levels in tertiary, there are some real stressors, especially in Australia because they've blocked off international travel. So there are no international students except those that are there. And they're actually struggling because they don't have jobs in the to help them survive during this time because a lot of them work in the retail sector to support themselves as international students. Get back to that later. So we're looking at sort of um, a neutral loss, like in terms of the fact that there's about minus 20% a negative kind of kickback in 
the COVID-19 statistics, and that includes education, ag agriculture and mining, um, utilities, transport, warehousing, that kind of area. It's been impacted, but it hasn't been decimated. So it's, it's there and there's still some opportunities there. And of course, agriculture is going to be um, one of the most important things to keep food on the table for all people wherever you are in the world and with climate change again we've got some struggles there where we are looking at some real really concerning statistics would be in that sort of more technical um, and business operations and administrations area we're starting to look at construction manufacturing professional services that's taken a bit of a 32 percent hit and it it's a difficult statistic to discuss because it's not just full-time labor, it's part-time labor, it's, you know, it's seasonal kind of work, it's working from home. And so the real statistics is the under underemployment. So we have some professional services that are now working in places that just really do not capitalize on their uh, abilities. And I've talked about underemployment before. Now, where we take the big hit, and this is what I was talking about with these international students. Um, so when you come to a country, you often just pick up work that's easy and after classes, and that's often in retail, so food. And it may be arts and culture, and arts and culture have been shut down pretty much. So there has been a huge impact on food, uh, services, accommodation, arts and culture, the retail industry. Online is booming. Um, brick and mortar stores are not. And of course, wholesale, rental and real estate um, have really taken a hit. And we're talking basically 27% setback, which is huge. And I won't go into the numbers, but what I wanted to do is kind of place it over the wheel so that we can kind of look at where we would want to be looking for jobs. And they're everywhere if we're creative, but it's looking like most of them are sort of fitting in the social service. So, you know, community services, education, healthcare, um, and public administration, which somewhat fits in the business operations and administration and sales. And so that's where we'd be looking mostly. But we do need people in transportation. So if we've got somebody who loves driving trucks or getting things from A to B, uh, there's possibilities there as well. So that's what I mean by being up aware and up to date of what the labor statistics are so that you can match what you're looking for for your clients once you've found out what they're sitting on in their EASIC, their um, sense whatever test you are doing to match abilities values interests and skills and then the next thing that you want to look at with your employability skills is really important and this is these employability skills I'm going to talk about the ones that are really important now but these are sort of more general looking at the skills map so you've got your communication skills your team working skills organizing and planning skills, problem solving skills, and professionalism. And I talk a lot about professionalism 
because to me that is the embodiment of my values of taking care of people and the stories that I hear are their stories, their confidential stories. So when I hear them, they stay with me. They don't go anywhere except between me and the client. And sometimes I'll use anonymous um, examples of clients or I'll use myself uh, in preference and say, you know, this is what could happen or this is what has happened in the example of Leanne. Um, but it may be with direct reference to an example of a situation that a client has faced. Next in that circle, you're looking at the ability to work on your own, your own initiative, writing, speaking, cooperating, leading, decision-making, time management, investigating, researching, analyzing, data handling, creativity, and attention to quality. Now, we're all somewhere on all of these, but some of us have more in one than the other. And of course, if it was just to look at me, I sort of do very, very well on most of these. Um, I It's not my favorite thing to do, which is data handling. This is why I'm sort of against statistical um, testing, and that's also goes back to a cultural um, oppression, white male patriarchy who's designing the test without looking at all the people that may be taking the test um, and analyzing it, but I have that lens. So I do love investigating and researching. I, I am generally very good at time management, except if I go down a rabbit hole. Decision-making, it is a very strong thing with me. Um, but when you have somebody who is in your office and they are compromised on many levels, so personally, financially, job-wise, uncertainty, already maybe have pre-existing conditions of mental health or disability or, you know, um, stigmatized and oppressed, so of a different race or LGBTQIA or whatever it might be that designates them as other, then we have to sort of look at where we need to build some skills. And then that requires thinking about what are the new skills that are required. How do we um, build on strengths? What are their basic skills? You know, uh, how, how do they accept criticism? Uh, how do they present themselves? What are they like in their planning? Uh, how do they respond? What are their IT skills? What are their numeracy and literacy skills? All of these things are just really important. And we need to get a snapshot of that in some way, shape or form so that we can move forward and help the client find the best match for them. So the skills that I mentioned first, employers want you to have regardless of the industry you're working in. And it depends on the level of, of the job as to how much you'll need, but you will need all these skills. So one is communication, two is teamwork, three is problem solving, four is initiative and enterprise, five is planning and organizing, six is self-management, Seven is learning, like the ability to learn and that lifelong learning thing. 
and eight is being able to manage technology as required in the position. So if I'm, you know, needing to use the computer a lot, I need to be able to use a computer. <laughs> Maybe I need to learn how to use Excel. Right now I'm trying to learn how to overlay some images and diagrams and create them so that they match what I want, which is a bit difficult because it's a bit creative and I am not a graphic designer, but I would like to learn that skill. So that's sort of a lifelong learning thing for me. But it's also about my communication because then if I have this good graph, because I'm a visual learner, I can show things. It's a problem solving thing. It's initiative and enterprise. I don't have to do this, but I choose to do it and planning and organizing. So all of these things fit into just even one skill, such as finding out how to overlay the map of where you are to the map of skills and industries sort of thing. And hopefully that makes sense. There's a huge list of employability skills. And what we want to look at is matching those personal attributes, so those traits that we have. So for me, things like loyalty, commitment, honesty, integrity, enthusiasm, reliability, common sense and a sense of humor are really, really key for me to manage my life because then I sort of bring in the positive self-esteem, the attitude to work and home life, so how do I balance that, the ability to deal with pressure, which is better than sometimes better than others depending upon what's going on in my personal life, and my motivation and adaptability. Now, some of us are really high on the spectrum in these and low on others. And what we want to look at is what are those strengths so that we can then build on the strengths and sort of add to the limitations. And so let's look at just kind of employability skills under communication. First of all, can you listen and can you understand? Now, if you are deaf, how does that work? If you are unable to speak, like you have a speech impediment or you stutter, how can you express when you're speaking clearly and directly and expressing your ideas? And this is not here, but it's underlying all of these, which is emotional intelligence. Do you have an understanding of your feelings and judgment and how they're impacted? Uh, these are very important things and so as a career counsellor we want to sort of get a bit of a gauge of that before we start telling somebody that they should be in an, in an industry where they really do have to speak a lot such as myself versus they could sit in front of a computer and do more of that kind of thing or if they're blind you know what else can we do if they're deaf what else can we do? If they have mobility issues, what else can we do? Okay? Teamwork. Now, teamwork such as not having somebody doing drilling while <laughs> you're recording podcasts, but it is what it is, right? There's your adaptability. So, teamwork. Some people do better on their own. Some people do better in groups. Some people do better, depending on the day, in either or. Um, 
how do you resolve conflicts? Like, what are your leadership capacities? These are all teamwork things. And you need to identify the strengths. Uh, with all of these, you need to identify the strengths. So do they have problem-solving capacity? What are they like in terms of initiative and enterprise? Planning and organizing, self-management. And this is where you can have a good, frank conversation sometimes with your client. But some people aren't very self-aware and young people aren't often very self-aware and people with mental health difficulties or depression or anxiety really don't have a true assessment of their own capacity. So these are things that you need to be aware of when you are working with your clients. And these are the really important employability skills. Self-awareness, setting and achieving goals. Recognizing where change is needed, making change, transferring ideas and concepts, being able to update skills and relate technology to work and using IT to organize data. And how do we share in it and share our information and persuade others, right? So all these are very important skills and attributes that really work well in a setting is something that people are looking for. Now, I have one sort of curious question that I cannot answer in this, and that is, in this new post-COVID world where a lot of things are online, what else is going to be required and what might be notched back a little? So whilst we're looking at our verbal, written and communication listening skills, and we know that they're going to continue to be very, very important. How does loyalty as an attribute work in a, a situation where you are being terminated from a job that you've been loyal to for 20, 30, 40 years? Um, is that going to be necessary in the next job or is it just getting a job? So I'm just sort of looking at these things and asking you when you're working with your clients to consider teamwork, communication skills, positive attitude, motivation, self-awareness, adaptability, uh, interpersonal skills, literacy, numeracy. These are all things that generally are always important. Leadership may not be important in this world. It, more, it might be more about you know, problem solving and decision making and networking and negotiating and influencing. So you may not be able to lead. You may not be a manager anymore. Doesn't mean that you, those skills that you have aren't important and how can they work? Like maybe it's about positive self-esteem and reintroducing that and saying, you know, that managerial skill that you had, even though you're no longer a manager, this is a really important skill. Where can we put it? And that builds positive self-esteem and ability to stress, to tolerate stress. So just looking at your skills and your attributes, matching them with the employability skills and attributes that are sort of highlighted as things that employers want no matter what industry you're working in. And some are, again, are more important than others. Like when you're working on a manufacturing line, some of these do fade into insignificance, but that doesn't mean to get the job, you don't need them. So once you've sort of identified what you or your client's employability skills are, what the strengths are, 
then you want to start looking at the job search and you have already done the inventory of the self and skills now you're investigating the job market and that's where I was looking at you know uh, the 21% of a boost in communication healthcare and public administration is there something that that's what, is that where we're going to start because that's going to be the best place if because there's a growth there uh, Amazon is hiring like many of these online sales places are hiring are we going to start our own business in free counseling um, so developing the employability skills around the job hunt and some people hate this I selling myself is not a big thing for me I don't like it but it, this is really important you've got to sell yourself um, and selling myself like online versus in an interview is a very different skill and preparing for a typical interview writing that resume having those abilities to self-assess finding out what you can live on so that's matching those lifestyle values with what's actually realistic right now are we going to get those same paying jobs i posit no but some places may be better you may get a better playing job than what you had because you've upskilled and got new training and so you know the sky's the limit budgeting until a job is found so if you're living on your savings you want to have sort of an end date before you have to have a job so if you when i was talking last week i was saying you know, is this crisis counselling? Is the person coming in and you're just finding them a job because they actually have no savings and they need food on the table and a roof over their head and clothes on their back and for their family as well. So get them in a job or get them resourced with emergency shelter, emergency food, that kind of stuff. So that's your first piece. But the second piece is um, maybe you've got them in an interim emergency job maybe they're just uh, stocking shelves in a grocery store maybe they're uh, cleaning maybe I don't it doesn't matter get them a job once they've got the job and they've got food on the table roof over their head clothes on the back looked after their kids and partner how long can we survive on that and how do we budget those minimal income demand with the demands of what's required and budgeting is a is not an easy thing to do and it is a real skill so you might be getting somebody who's very good in to your center to teach budgeting skills this is a life skill and often when I was talking about ex-offenders coming out of jail they don't need to budget in jail their foods on the table their roofs over their head they've got other skills in jail it's called survival skills but an ex-military, it's very similar. Often, as I said, their housing is provided. They go to the mess hall for their dinner. Um, they don't really need to consider about some of these budgeting things that are going to be real-world skills. So these are things that need to be taught regardless of COVID-19. These are things that people really need to learn. And sometimes legal and illegal questions may be posed by the interviewer so you also want to upskill and make them aware of their rights and even if they're asked an illegal question and they need the job 
what's a way to answer that that's not going to immediately lose them that dog? So being aware that things happen in the real world that are not right and again change the system and let's start with the jobs for all and equal access to the economy. Understanding and empowering people through what a career decision-making process is, what their rights are, how to budget, how to locate a job, how to sell themselves and how to prepare. These are all extremely empowering for any individual, but especially for our specific and diverse populations that have often suffered at the hand of oppression, prejudice, discrimination, or just not even being aware that they have the right that all humans have. And so how do we help that as well? We want to identify skills that they already have so that we can transfer them, they're called transferable skills, over to a new job. And maybe you have, as I said, maybe you're a manager and maybe you have years and years and years of experience. Maybe you're brilliant and were like a leader in your field. But maybe you're in a situation where you can't move. Um, industry's shut down. So there's no retail opportunities. There's no accommodation, cultural opportunities. How can we use those skills? And what about some entry level jobs in a field that you're interested in? to at least tide you over. So these are some of the considerations that we're looking at with executing the job search. And so once we've started that, we now want to look at job placement services. And there are going to be, and I, I think this is a, a sort of a growth industry, and it's going to be a unique niche industry in post-COVID world, but it may even be that you get out on the beat on the street and see where people are advertising for jobs. So if I walk around my local little area and around the streets, I see some people say, right, with signs saying we are hiring in their restaurants. And they, you know what? Maybe it's only a few hours. Maybe it's not much money. But guess what? It's money. And so job placement services, that's what they should be doing. Their public employment services. So you might have the, in Australia, we have what's called Centrelink. Um, and my sister, <laughs> it's Mission Australia, but she calls it Mission Impossible. <laughs> I just love it because it's true. Um, and private employment agencies, secondary and post-secondary school placement services online job placement services, uh, outplacement services, being creative, finding out where you can get job placement people to get people into jobs. That's what a job placement service is. It's getting people into jobs. And at this time, you're not going to be picky. You just want them to be legal and ethical. So no fees get my client into a job. And we want a legal and ethical job where discrimination and oppression and all of the usual things that I um, continue to say should not be happening are hopefully not happening. And 
so that's sort of the job placement service place. Public employment services offer a lot of services depending upon where you are, what country you're in. Um, I, there's various experiences with them and it's, it's a sad indictment of our system that often keeps people unemployed. But ideally, they offer placement, counselling, service to veterans, service to applicants with disabilities. They have labour market information. So at the very least, you should be able to get up-to-date labour market information from them. And they also usually have really good linkages with community agencies. So even if you're not getting your bang for your buck from your public employment services, you can get some amazing information out of them and maybe some networking opportunities. Private employment agencies are usually fee charging and it's a regular profit seeking business. They serve the general public, this I think will be a growth industry. But I think it's going to be difficult because there'll be people who just don't have money to pay. So it might be that the employer pays when you get somebody into the job or it may be uh, a structured percentage of fee or something. I don't know how they're going to work it. But usually a private employment agency you know, specialises and they limit their clientele to a certain occupational group. And there's reasons for this. If you want to have a private employment agency employ people into an industry they need to know the industry and because we've talked about like not that occupational handbook with 900 odd just occupations that's not even the industries we need to have specialized knowledge of where the job opportunities are how to get them in maybe they owe you know like maybe there's a bit of a favor going on if you employ him for a month see how he goes if he's going well, continue. If not, well, we'll put somebody else in. And just having these quid pro quo, um, good relationships, that's that networking and building and maintaining relationships with your network and support. And they work primarily with job seekers, but they work to serve the employer. So often how it is is the private employment agency is paid by the employer. The employee should not be paying. And that's just a legal and ethical point that I want you to note. They now, right now, I think this might change. They list regular full-time positions but only handle short-term temporary jobs. I think this is going to change as a result of COVID, but I, I'm not sure how that's going to look. I think right now it'll be just listing jobs regardless of the duration, um, temporary nature or casual nature. So outplacement services also provide assistance to workers whose jobs have been terminated. Um, and this is completely the place to be. This is the this is the piece of the pie. So it's your displaced workers and maybe your workers have been terminated for technological advances, business mergers, relocation of businesses outside of country, the need to increase competitiveness by reducing costs or employee dismissal for poor performance, or today, COVID-19 closure and economic shutdown and recession and depression. So this is 
a service that offers basically from the day you're terminated. So some people might have been terminated from their position and their company may have already put this in place. And hopefully they have, but not many, I think. So they will work on developing your resume, interviewing skills, how to find a job location that works for you, um, what are some of the supportive counselling opportunities available, and any other resources that helps the employee who's been terminated through this difficult time. And I happen to know that there are some companies that have failed epically in this. They haven't done any of these and in fact have got hundreds of people into a room and told them they've lost their jobs and the supportive counselling is not there. The, any of these things that should just have been in place are not there. So I, my heart goes out to these people and if we can help these people, that's what we need to do. So an outplacement service may do that. They may also um, look at sort of how to diffuse the feelings of frustration, depression and anger. This is a space that really needs a lot of work right now and part of the reason that I'm developing a, a program to be delivered to whomever would like to have it to start with, it'll be minimal cost. But it's a comprehensive outplacement sort of thing for people who have been terminated, specifically dealing with grief and loss over the job and how to maybe move forward in looking at the next job and establishing in a way a hope to proceed with a job search and facilitate that rather than kind of get, getting lost in the morass of the depression feelings that often accompany this. And to start with, it's more about dealing with the frustrations, depression, anger, sadness, grief, loss, all of the different spectrum of emotions um, that employees who are terminated suddenly feel but it's also to sort of inject a little bit of like, okay, so this has happened. Yep, we know this. Let's develop a job search plan and what are the skills you need to implement it. Followed up by employees' efforts to help them as they search for a job. And there's a number of different articles. Uh, Bremer and Hamburger emphasized on assisting workers to engage in self-assessment strategies. Now that um, quite an old article, but there are many that I have posted around finding ways to assess yourself so that you can establish new career goals. And that is the be all and end all of career counseling in post COVID 19 times is to help our clients see that really, yes, it's difficult, it's grim for many people. There are those lucky few of us, 21% uh, that are actually overwhelmed with job opportunities because of the field that we're in. And there's, as I said, the restaurant that's just has filled a niche and is booming as a result of their ability to be flexible and adapt to the situation of opening just as COVID-19 happened. So, just to review everything, we need to sort of think about 
how we can meet our client where they are, how we can resource them, how we can turn them out of or change their perceptions of being stuck in a predictable, safe sort of pattern of career and open their eyes to the opportunities that may be out there, particularly education. And I continue to say that I think education is the key to freedom from many things. But that education may be very different today than it was even three months ago. And what is the education that this client sitting in the chair in front of us need? What do you need listening to this podcast? What is it that we can sort of get you to see to help you move forward and initiate some self-assessment, some looking at your interests, your attitudes, your values, match them with possible career openings and establish some career goals. And if you have done that, you have helped one person, you have helped yourself and you have had an amazing day because that is the goal, to make each day count in each moment. This is Dr. Leanne signing out, week eight, part two of career counseling with services and centers outside of school and employability skills in the post-COVID world. I hope you've enjoyed and may hope light your path as we move into the next stage.